0: For those that I did not get to meet uh, personally beforehand, uh, my name is Mike Martin, and uh, thankful for the opportunity to be here with you folks today and to worship the Lord together uh, in this place and the beauty of His holiness. We come together to worship Him, not to uh, worship ourselves, uh, but to lift up His name. Thank you for the, the theme this morning, uh, it goes right along with the message. Um, If I were to ask you what is the main theme of the book of Acts, what would you say? Some would say the church, okay, Um, that's true. The church of who, or whom? The church of Jesus Christ, and not the Latter-day Saints, okay? (laughs) We're not talking about that one. (laughs) Uh, My mom actually is from Palmyra, New York, um, and she grew up about a mile from the hill Camorra where supposedly Joseph Smith saw the vision of the angel Moroni, I call him Moron. Uh, There's a statue up on top of the hill, and uh, every year in August, they just had actually the Mormon pageant. It's uh, such a sad uh, thing, and so many people are led astray. That's one of the fastest growing religions in Brazil is Mormonism. Um, but we think today we're thinking about the book of Acts. We're actually going to study the entire book in one sermon. <laughs> but don't worry, we'll be out in time for lunch. Um, so the Church of Jesus Christ, the title of the message is A Name Above Any Other Name. And I believe that the emphasis of the book of Acts, and we're going to see this in various places, is in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the word name is used 30 times in this book and always in this book it's referring to the name of Jesus. A name is a mean of means of identification and the name of a person can also represent their character and their reputation. If I were to say the name Donald Trump or Joe Biden, we're not even going to get into politics, but certain things come to mind, maybe the good, the bad and the ugly, okay? <clears throat> I remember um, uh, when we first came back from Brazil, I think it was our first furlough, and um, we flew through Dulles International Airport in Washington, D.C., and I hand over uh, all my passports to the border patrol agent there, and uh, he's flipping through, you know, how they scan it and everything, and then all of a sudden he stopped, and he looked at the passport and scanned again, and he looked at it and he said, Mr. Martin, um, when was the last time you were in England? I said, I've never been to England. <laughs> and he said, we're going to have to ask you to step aside in this room. And uh, I said, well, what about my wife and little kids? Oh, they can go on and get the luggage. Uh, hopefully you won't be detained too long. And so I go into this room, and there's probably about 50, 60 people in this fairly small room. And I uh, took a seat. And I wasn't sure how long I was going to be in there, and I didn't know what, was, what it was about. But finally, after about 10 or 15 minutes, I heard Martin And most of the people in there were Hispanics, and uh, so typically you don't hear that name in Hispanics. And so I assumed he was talking about me. I stood up, there was one police officer at this counter that was sort of overlooking the room. And he handed me back my passport, and he said, you're free to go. I said, okay, uh, could you give me a little more information what this is about? And he said, well, there's a known Irish terrorist with your same name and information. I'm like, oh boy, I guess maybe I look like a terrorist. I don't know. um so you know i went on my way and um during the next uh, couple years my passport was expiring and i was getting a new passport and uh, you know i figured getting the new one with the chip technology in it, it would clear that issue well <laughs> it didn't we flew into orlando um on our next time coming back to the states and the police officer scanned and officer hernandez he looks at me he's like mr martin we have a problem i'm like yeah i'm an irish terrorist he's like he's like i'm gonna have to ask you to step aside so i did it again and uh but now that i'm back in the states i went ahead and got tsa pre-check and they've uh, obliterated that issue apparently because they've never stopped me coming and going but um there's a lot that is carried in a name a person's character reputation a lot about them Uh, we don't know the power or influence of a name The name of the Lord Jesus has all the authority of heaven behind it and only he alone should be lifted up and magnified. So today I just want to consider some of the uses of the name of Jesus that we will see in the book of Acts. We're not going to cover all 30 of these uses but we are going they are categorized into different uh, points and we have seven points and we have about 35 minutes so we won't be dwelling long on any of these points. But first of all the first and I think the most important use of the name of Jesus is the name of Jesus is the name in which is found salvation. Look with me at uh, Acts chapter 2, first of all. Acts chapter 2 and verse 21. Acts chapter 2 and verse 21. Here we have Peter preaching the day of Pentecost. And in verse 21 it says, And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved uh, flip over with me to uh, chapter 4 in verse 12 chapter 4 and verse 12 uh, peter once again uh, preaching here he says neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved salvation is only through the lord jesus christ he is our sin for our iniquity and our transgressions jesus that name right in his name we can see his purpose in coming to this earth it means jehovah is salvation or yahweh god is salvation and jesus christ came to this earth to bring fallen mankind salvation you know as i went out as i would go out witnessing especially in brazil southern brazil is very uh, very atheistic agnostic humanistic Um, other mission agencies had had missionaries go to the state that we were in and a lot of those missionaries would leave they'd go somewhere else in brazil where it was a lot easier to get a church started Um, but god was working and yes the churches are small but uh, we see the lord working in those places but i remember going out um, and witnessing and And, you know, you try to share the good news about the gospel, and people would say, oh, you can't be dogmatic that salvation is only through Jesus alone. There's a Greek word for that, baloney. Uh, Actually, that's not Greek, but (laughs) I was a Greek minor in college. I learned better than that. (laughs) That's not true. The scripture is truth because it comes from God who is absolute truth. And people that make statements like there is no absolute truth, they are, they're making an absolute truthful statement, untruthful statement. Uh, so they're contradicting themselves. The name of Jesus is the name in which is found salvation. It's very clear from Scripture, not only in his name itself, but those that proclaim the name of Jesus Christ made it very clear that there is not salvation in any other except through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a lot of confusion out there today amongst religions. You know, the word religion comes from the Latin word religarsi, which means to reconnect. Um, It's man's attempt to reconnect themselves to God. That's why there's so many religions that are out there today. But we that are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ because of his finished work on the cross for us. There are terms floating out there like evangelical Catholic. I don't understand that one. Um, I'm not going to name any names of any political candidates, and I don't question. I don't know their heart, but there's one that says that he is a born-again believer, but he says he's evangelical Catholic. And I have to sit there scratching my head. You know, what kind of, uh, of morphing or twisting of words or doctrine to get to that point? I worked in a Catholic country, and there are many in this country, unfortunately, that say, oh, Catholicism's just another way to heaven. No, that's a bunch of baloney as well, okay, using that Greek word once again. Salvation is through faith alone in the Lord Jesus Christ. The name of the Lord is the name in which we find salvation. We also, moving on... um, The name of Jesus is the name in which we are baptized. Those that have placed their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ are baptized. Go back to Acts chapter 2, and uh, we'll look at verse 38. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, and then we'll jump down to 41. Acts 2, 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. In the same day there were added unto them about three thousand souls. The name of the Lord is the name in which we are baptized. You know, some will look at verse 38. There's actually whole denominations that are out there and say, uh, they look at this one verse and they say, Oh, you gotta be you gotta repent and be baptized in order to be saved. They're taking it out of context. Um there's many other parts of scripture that make it very clear that you repent and then after you're saved you are to be baptized including this verse if you look at in the original greek structure it is very clear that you repent in the name of the lord jesus christ for remission of sins and you are baptized the name of jesus is the name in which we are baptized what does baptism mean Well, this comes from the Greek word baptizo, and that is a legitimate Greek word. It means to immerse or to put completely under. Um, I'm not sure what Paul was thinking as he would describe uh, this technique or this verse or uh, this word uh, to um, early first century believers. But I do know from external literature uh, and knowing um, about that era that there's a that other people would use that word for other uh, purposes. Um, For instance, a lady that would be a seamstress, uh, she would take a bolt of cloth. If she wanted to turn that bolt of cloth uh, into a different color, she would fill up a tub or a basin full of dye. Uh, Different color, let's say she wanted to turn it into indigo or blue, she would put that dye into the basin. In order to turn that entire bolt of cloth into that color, she would have to put it in there and submerge it in that dye. She couldn't just go over there and take a cup of the and pour it over the bolt of cloth uh, you know grab her hand and then sprinkle that bolt of cloth um, that would look like tie dye um, that may date me there but <laughs> <laughs> um no the whole idea was the word baptizo meant to submerge and so for that entire bolt of cloth to be turned over to the color that she wanted it to be she would have to submerge it or put it under completely uh into that dye and so we see the that word uh for baptism uh for those that are belie- believers that have placed their faith and trust in the lord jesus christ they are uh As a testimony of their faith and uh, as a witness of who they are connected to, they are baptized. They are put under the waters of baptism. Um, We have the example of uh, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Once he understood his need of a Savior, and uh, he said, uh, There's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? The Bible says they went down into the water and he was baptized. Um, I'm sure that uh, Philip wouldn't have stood there and just, you know, sprinkled his head. No, it was very clear from the word in Greek, baptizo means to put under. He was buried in the uh, likeness of Jesus' death, and he was raised again to walk in the of life. This is a testimony to those that are outside of the faith, that you are connected um, to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a glorious figure of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The name of the Lord is the name in which we are baptized. We also see the name of the Lord is the name in which every need is met. Look at Acts 3, and uh, we're going to look at verse 8 first, and then we're going to jump to 12 through 16. Acts chapter 3, verses 6 through 8. Here we have uh, Peter and John going into the temple, and uh, the lame man that is sitting there begging, uh, Peter and John approach. Peter says to this lame man in verse 6, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. In verse 7, And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked, and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Uh, John, down to verse 12. Um, and when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom he delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just, and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and killed the prince of life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. Verse 16, and his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Peter must have been a southerner as well, y'all. <laughs> presence of y'all, okay. It's very clear here we see that uh, Peter uh, is talking about this man's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and that he was made whole, um, spiritually speaking, but also physically speaking. In verse 16, it was faith in his name that uh, provided him salvation, but also that name of Jesus Christ is what made this man strong. When we think about the needs that we have in our lives we typically uh, will take it to the Lord, or we should be taking uh, our needs to God, our Father. He is a loving Heavenly Father. He wants to hear from us, His children. And when we pray, we close our prayers how? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Something along those lines. You know, I think so often we just say it almost not even thinking about who, in whose name we're praying, in whose name are we bringing these prayers? it's in the name of Jesus. In his name, every need can be met. In prayer, as the child of God, we are to use this name. We come to our loving Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ. In his name, every anxiety and every care is alienated. Maybe it's a need, a spiritual need, uh, to be free from our temptations or those things that would uh, hinder us or that Satan would use against us. We need to call on the name of the Lord. Yes, it's the name in which we find salvation. Yes, it's the name in which we are baptized. But it's also the name in which every need is met. We also, and this sort of moves us right into the next point, um, the name of Jesus is the name in which we conquer Satan, sin, and the world. Look at Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 18. Acts 16, verses 16 through 18. Here we have an example of uh, Paul on his uh, second missionary journey. And as they are uh, passing... Um, into the city of Thyatira, uh, we see, uh, let's go back to verse 14, we'll start there. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, uh, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. Just uh, curiosity when it, uh, it said, heard us. Who's the author of the book of Acts? The Holy Spirit. Okay, <laughs> yeah, trick question. No, uh, who's the human uh, one that penned, uh, penned this book? Luke, right? Luke, the physician. He traveled uh, with Paul on this journey. Um, going on, verse 15, and when she, this is Lydia, was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. And then verse 16, and it came to pass as we went to prayer, A certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this she did many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. This uh, damsel we see here is very clear not only the spirit of divination that she had, um, but that spirit was uh, because of demonic possession. There was one of the demons that was possessing her at that point. It's interesting, um, even the demons know who Jesus Christ is. The Bible says they hear and they tremble. But here in this particular case, out of the mouth of this damsel, we hear uh, the demon that is speaking. Uh, These men are the servants of the Most High God that brings us the way of salvation. I don't think Paul was grieved with the message that she was proclaiming. But the fact that she was doing this uh, in a disruptive way, the fact that everyone knew her issues... Um, Paul came to the point where he had to uh, put an end to this um, this uh, yelling this girl that was following them after many days but we see that Paul did not turn to her and and rebuke her uh, in his own name or his own strength in whose name did he cast out this spirit in the name of Jesus. It, I mentioned earlier, the name of the Lord is the name in which we conquer Satan's sin in the world. We all have temptation we face. Satan is a strong and formidable enemy. He knows our weaknesses. He knows where he can attack us. We have to be careful. We have to be on our guard. The way Satan attacks us be different than other places. I remember as a... Um, college student um, after my sophomore year my dad was uh, in Brazil and uh, he was in the federal district in the central part of Brazil and uh, the other missionary uh, had to come home on emergency furlough his mom was passing away and uh, so my dad was actually left with three different churches about 45 minutes apart from each other and um, I needed to do a church internship uh, as part of my missions major and I had talked uh, to the director of the school about the possibility. He said, yeah, sure, you can do that in Brazil with your dad. So I went down for three and a half months uh, during the summer of uh, 1993. And uh, I was helping my dad out in one church. But on Sunday afternoons and then a midweek service, um, I would take a team of, I think, five or six other Brazilians. We'd load up in a VW bus, drive 45 minutes away. Those were wonderful times as we quoted scripture together and sang songs uh, trying to encourage one another as we were going to minister uh, to this small group of believers outside of town in the in this church there was a couple that had been saved out of spiritism spiritism is pretty big in brazil Uh, we have uh, in our city in southern brazil porto Alegre, city of three million people i think there were three thousand spiritist centers and you can see spiritism all the way from Um, the witches, warlocks, and Ouija boards, which they call the white spiritism, all the way to Makumba, which is just like uh, voodoo, Uh, very much similar to voodoo. And uh, we would see frequently sacrifices of animals, uh, basins of chicken blood or lamb blood on rocks out on the river, Um, spiritists doing their dances on full moons at traffic circles, leaving bottles of wine and spreading popcorn, all that kind of stuff. But I remember this particular summer when I helped my dad, and uh, it was the middle of the night, probably about midnight, we get this phone call uh, from this lady that had been saved out of spiritism. She was hysterical. She's like, you guys need to come out here. Uh, The lights are going on and off. The stereo is going up and down with the music, and there's a soccer ball being kicked back and forth in our living room. And so my dad and I grabbed one of the deacons. We called, uh, and he lived just down the road. the three of us went out there and we spent the rest of the night just praying in the name of Jesus that that family would be delivered from the oppression of that demon. Now, because they were saved, they no longer were possessed or could be possessed by demons. Who were they possessed by as believers? Who comes into our lives after salvation? The Holy Spirit, right? So that is the spirit that possessed them. But Satan and his demons continue to oppress believers. And um, I remember after that, that occasion and seeing those things with my own eyes. Those aren't things you would see every day here in the United States. Satan works in different ways in different places. But as I mentioned earlier, he knows our weaknesses. He knows how he can make us ineffective for the cause of Christ. And we need to conquer him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have strength to stand on our own. We must have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and stand in his power alone, the power of his might. The name of Jesus is the name in which we can conquer Satan, sin and the world. Ultimately, Jesus had conquered all of those things. And we look forward to that day when we will be totally... um, removed from sin and from the influences of this worldly culture. As we move on in the book of Acts, the name of the Lord Jesus is also the name that governs our service. Look at Acts chapter 4, back in Acts chapter 4, in verse 7. We're going to look at several verses. We don't have time to read the whole chapter, but we'll pinpoint uh, some verses as we go through this chapter. Um, Here we can see the beginning of persecution uh, of those that claim the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, so the Sanhedrin has gathered uh, together and uh, Peter, uh, because he was preaching and because of preaching um, Jesus, we will see that they were hauled in. So in verse 7, and when they had asked them in the midst, or had set them in the midst, this is the Sanhedrin setting the apostles in the middle of them, they asked, by what power or by what name have ye done this? Um, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said to them, ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, remember this is right after uh, healing um, the lame man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom he crucified, him doth this man stand here before you whole. Go down to verse 17, 17 through 20. But that it spread no further among the people, this is the Sanhedrin talking, let uh, let us straightly threaten them, the apostles, that they speak henceforth this name. And they... Speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. John answered and said to them, Whether it be right working unto you more than unto God, judge ye; for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Go down to verses 29 and 30. Um, this is the apostle's prayer after they had been told to go and no longer preach. Now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant this is the threatenings of the Sanhedrin and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness, they by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that sign with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. The apostles good that They were there for a purpose, and that was to proclaim the good news people from sin. They understood that they did not belong to themselves, to Him, and they were there to serve Him. You know, I think so often we forget our purpose of being here on this earth, and that is to share the good news of Jesus Christ with lost people around us. Service serious in our lives seriously in our lives do we remember that we don't belong to ourselves that we've been bought with a price the price of the precious blood of jesus christ peter and the other apostles they understood the the persecution that was coming the threatenings that were out there don't you dare preach in the name of jesus christ anymore they said we have to That's our purpose in being here. We must obey God rather than men in this case because that is our purpose. That's why we're here. We haven't uh, faced a lot of persecution in this country, but there is persecution around this world. There are believers that are struggling to serve the Lord and to even live their lives As we look at the book of Acts, it's clear from this book that Christ has sovereign rights over the lives of his children that are bought with his blood. These apostles, they were not caring about themselves and making a reputation for themselves or building up their own name. No, they were there to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. No matter what would come, they were asking for boldness in that prayer that with all boldness we may speak the Word of God. That goes hand in hand with the next use of the name of the Lord in the book of Acts. The, the name of Jesus is that name that seals suffering. Let's look at the next chapter of in Acts, Acts chapter 5, 20, 29 first. Just to give a apostles preached, they were brought back in. Uh, before the uh, high priest and before the Sanhedrin. And uh, these men, religious leaders of the Jews, were trying to what are were going to do with these guys. We told them to go out and to not preach anymore in this name, and they've done it again. So what do we have to do? And uh, they're brought in before the council in verse uh, 28. Uh, the council said, Did not we straightly command you, that, uh, talking to the apostles, that you should not teach in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Verse 29, then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. And he goes on and explains some of the the history there um, about who Jesus is giving the, the gospel in a nutshell in those next few verses. It's interesting in verse 34, it says, then stood there up one in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, we're going to run across that name again in a few chapters Acts. Um, he was the teacher. It says here he was the doctor of the law. But there's another, maybe we could call him a late-blooming apostle, that studied under Gamaliel. Who would that be? Paul, right? Saul, and then became Paul. So we're going to see who this Gamaliel is. But He obviously was a man of reputation amongst the, the council. Uh, it says here he had a reputation among all the people and commanded to put the apostles forth a space and he said unto them ye men of Israel take heed to yourselves what ye intend to do as touching these men he's talking to the sanhedrin for before these days ro- rose up Thutis, boasting himself to be somebody to whom a number of men about for themselves who was slain, and he has obeyed him were scattered and brought to naught he brought up judas of Tax anything. so perish in other words if it's something just worked up amongst themselves it'll 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 there's verse thirty nine but if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it Less happily, ye be found even to fight. Interesting, Gamaliel was giving. Be careful about touching these guys, because if this is something, if this is a God thing, and we mess with them, we're in trouble. But if it's something about that is just generated or brought about from men, you know, just it'll fizzle out. So in verse forty, it says the Sanhedrin agreed to his words of counsel, and when they had called the apostles. They still got in their punishment. They beat them. The Sanhedrin commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Verse 41, they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Verse 42, and in every house they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I remember... uh, getting spanked as a kid and discipline was not pleasant and uh, it was supposed to be a deterrent from doing things once again Um, it was not a pleasant thing I can't imagine these apostles being beaten the wounds that they suffered the pain the agonizing pain but how did they respond to that It says here in verse 41, they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for the name of Christ. And what did they do? They continued on. The name of Jesus Christ sealed their suffering. You know, we are going to reign with Christ one day, but we must be willing to suffer for him now. Saul, as we mentioned earlier over in chapter 9, just look at a couple of verses there. In verse 6, it says, And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? This is on the road to Damascus, when the Lord appeared to him in a bright light. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And then, after Ananias uh, was told that Saul would come to him, over in verses 15 and 16, the Lord said unto uh, him, this is Ananias, go." bear my name before the Gentiles and the children of Israel for Suffer for my name's sake right from the beginning time of Saul's conversion it was made very clear that he was going to suffer for the name of Christ each one of us must be ready and willing to suffer for the name of Christ. We say that, we never really truly experience that, I don't think. Sooner than we want or expect. Where we will suffer for the name of Christ. Are we willing to do that? Do we understand that we are not our own? That we are serving the Lord? What kind of suffering did Jesus go through for us? He gave his life for us he died on the cross he shed his blood so we could have forgiveness of sins i'm not worthy of his mercy and grace i know that i'm so thankful for that sacrifice that he made on my behalf and on each one of you that have claimed the name of christ are we ready and willing to suffer for his name And then the last point, and this doesn't really come from the book of Acts, but kind of brings this all together. The name of Jesus is the name before which every knee will bow. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Very familiar verses, I'm sure, to many. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Every knee will bow, both the saved and the lost. How much better would it be that people would recognize who Jesus is now, before it's forever too late? There will be a day where even the lost people will have be forced to recognize who he is, but they will be for all eternity. In the name of Jesus, only in him is reconciliation, only in him perfection, only in him are miracles and answered prayer to be cured, to have the power of God in our lives. Only in him is forgiveness and justification and acceptance. He is our all-sufficiency. So in closing, is the name of Jesus really precious to you? Are you lifting up the name of Jesus through your walk and your talk? We take the name of Jesus with us. We sing that song many times. Christian, follower of Christ or little Christ, do we live up to his name, the expectations, and all that his name entails? We do not belong to ourselves. We are to take the name us? Do notice a difference in our lives? Do they notice that we have a joy in the midst of difficulty, and suffering? Do they recognize that there is something that we have that they don't have, and that is a peace, because peace comes from the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we reflect, not only in the book of Acts, but throughout scripture the name of jesus christ the name above all others are we taking the name of jesus with us each day do others see christ in us and not ourselves may the lord help us to be faithful to do this until he calls us home let's pray father we thank you again for your love for us we thank you for your word which is forever settled in heaven that we can base our lives upon it we thank you that it is truth. It is absolute truth because it comes from you, Father, who is truth. And, Father, we thank you for that great love that you had for your fallen creation, mankind, who has sinned. And because of that sin, there is a barrier between you and man. Yet you loved man so much that you sent your only son, Jesus Christ, to come to this earth, to die on the cross, to save whoever will call on the name of Christ from their sins. We thank you for that great love, that great sacrifice, and the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ, on the cross, and giving his life, shedding his blood, so we could have forgiveness of our sins. You no longer see our unrighteousness, but you see the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ in our place. Father, I pray that we would remember to take the name of Jesus with us everywhere we go, There are lost and dying people going to hell each day around us. Father, help us to have a burden for their souls. Help us to share the good news of the gospel. Help us to be living testimonies of what you've done in our own lives. And help us to be faithful to do this until you either come or call us home. And we ask this in Jesus' name.